And I'm so glad that you've come and that you've believed that by being in the house of the Lord today that God is going to bless you. I believe God's going to honor you for coming to the house of the Lord today. And whatever you came in need of, the Lord is here to do the work. Amen. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11 says, Many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Matthew talks about this great gathering that will take place in heaven, and the writer of Hebrews talks about this great cloud of witnesses that we have even here on earth. This thing is massive, ladies and gentlemen. This kingdom of God, this, this church that God's getting ready to come back for. Paul was witnessing to one Roman governor, and he said, this thing was not done in a corner. Everybody knows the name of Jesus Christ, and there's power in the name. Hallelujah. We have many witnesses. I want to speak this morning on this subject, the glory of the Spirit, the glory of the Spirit. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Like silent soldiers, the white crosses lined the green manicured grass in perfect alignment. The Normandy American Cemetery and Memorial in France is located in Colville Samir, established by the U.S. First Army on June 8, 1944 as the first American cemetery on European soil in World War II. The cemetery site at the north end of its half-mile access road covers 172.5 acres and contains the graves of 9,385 of our military dead, most of whom lost their lives in the D-Day landings and ensuing operations. On the walls of the missing is a semicircular garden on the east end of the memorial, and there 1,557 names are inscribed. Rosettes mark the names of those since recovered and identified. The memorial consists of a semicircular colonnade with a loggia of, at each end, loggia is an Italian word coming from the, the word lodge, but it basically is like a fancy patio or porch. And at each end of this colonnade, there is one of those present, and it contains large maps and narratives of the different military operations. At the center of these porches, as it were, is a bronze statue, and inscribed under that bronze statue is 
these words, spirit of American youth rising from the waves. An orientation table overlooking the beach depicts the landings in Normandy facing west at the memorial. One sees in the foreground the reflecting pool. Beyond it is the burial area and with a circular chapel made out of marble. There inside that chapel are a few wooden benches and engraved on the wall in that circular chapel are these words. Think not only upon their passing. Remember the glory of their spirit. The glory of that spirit is couched, no doubt, in sacrifice. Perhaps no one has said it better than General Mark Clark, and his words are engraved in the interior wall of the Normandy's cemetery, American Cemetery Visitor Center, and it says, and I quote, if ever proof were needed that we fought for a cause and not for conquest, it could be found in these cemeteries. Here was our only conquest. All we asked was enough soil for which to bury our gallant dead. Ladies and gentlemen, when humanity fights for a cause, cause that is bigger than ourselves, and when humanity fights for the supreme sacrifice of freedom to the point of giving their own life so that future generations can have the freedom to assemble and the freedom to worship and the freedom that we enjoy in this country. It is man's spirit at its best. At the other end of the promenade, in the middle of the marble colonnade, is a bronze statue. Around the base of that statue, in bold letters, are these words. And I believe I have a short video for you to show. The words that go around the base of that statue says, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. On this Memorial Day weekend, one week before the celebration of Pentecost Sunday, I would like to draw a comparison between the glory of the Spirit of man and the glory of the Spirit of God. But just before we leave this American cemetery in France, I want you to know that I'm not the only person and certainly not the first person to make this connection. Because in that same small marble chapel, just across the room, on the facing wall is this inscription. Through the gate of death, may they pass to their joyful resurrection. 
The inscriptions on this wall, both of them facing each other, ask that we remember the glory of their spirit, small s, the spirit of man, but also reminds us that one day we're going to pass through the gate of death and we're going to find a joyful resurrection. Ladies and gentlemen, inherent in man is a pull, a pull to the power of the resurrection. Even the very best of our human spirit will leave us longing for the spirit of God. The best that man has to offer, the spirit of man at its finest moment is still short of the glory of the Spirit of God that has within its DNA a resurrection power. I'm thankful for every sacrifice. I'm thankful for the love, the compassion, the commitment, the discipline, the sacrifice. We stand on the shoulders of giants in the 21st century. Ladies and gentlemen, The spirit of man at its finest point can only go so far and ultimately that life is marked by a white cross in the ground. But ladies and gentlemen, there is the glory of the spirit. There is the glory of the coming of the Lord. There is a Holy Spirit. There is a higher spirit. And it is the spirit of a resurrected Savior. And that spirit is inherent in the lives of men and women that say, I need God in my life. It is not only the destitute of humanity that seeks after God. It is not only people that are out of options and out of choices that seek after God. It is man at its finest moment that still seeks after God. It's man after man has accomplished all that he can accomplish. Still there is a desire for the glory of the Spirit that only comes from a glorious God. Oh, I'm so thankful to know I've been baptized in His Spirit. I've been baptized in His name. And the Spirit of God is present even in this house today. Hebrews describes the heroes of faith in chapter 11 as a cloud of witnesses. They witnessed to us even this morning, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32, if you have your Bibles or you want to follow along on the screens, it simply says it's oftentimes referred to as the hall of faith. And what shall I more say, the writer says, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, 
Out of weakness, we're made strong. Waxed valiant and fight, turned to flight. The armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. This was mankind at its finest. This was man doing all that he was designed to do. This was man walking in faith. This was the hall of faith. These were those that excel even to the point of giving up their own life. But even at the end of their journey, there was and is a better resurrection. I've come to proclaim to this great church today, there is a God that's got something better for you. There's the glory of the Spirit of God that one day it's going to be worth it all. It doesn't matter what you've been through. There's a God that's going to make everything right. Verse 36 continues, And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. That's a Bible's nice way of saying cut in half. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Semicolon. And then I think the author just had to put these words in there. Because they're in parentheses. He couldn't write about them without putting a little commentary in there. Of whom the world was not worthy. The spirit of man at its finest point to the place where the world was not even worthy of them. They excelled. They demonstrated Christ-like before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, before the infilling of the Spirit of God in man, just walking by their conscience and walking by their faith and determined to do all that they could do, there was this prophecy, there was this word that came forth that declared that there was something greater even than that of whom the world was not worthy. And then it picks up the narrative again. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. You say, oh, pastor, I don't understand. I've been a good person. I've tried to walk with God. I've paid my tithes. I've been faithful to church. And I don't understand why I've gone through some of the heartache I've gone through. Can I remind you that it's not over? God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I've come to declare to you, it's not over yet. There is coming a morning, a great catching away, when the Lord's going to come back for his church. And it's going to be worth it all. You may not even receive your reward on this earth, but the glory of the Spirit I said, the glory of the Spirit 
is that there is a great cloud of witnesses that testify to what I'm preaching today. That it's going to be worth it all. We're going to come together with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's a great gathering that God is preparing in heaven. And there's a great gathering of cloud of witnesses on this earth. But, oh, my friend, remember this, that the ultimate was not in the accolades of man. It was not in the rewards of a natural world. It was a God that said, I'm the one that has the glory, capital G, of the Spirit, capital S. We remember the sacrifice of our brothers and sisters, comrade in arms. We remember this weekend the sound of freedom. We reflect back and we'll always remember. But intertwined in that is a hope that we have. That we don't have to spend our life looking back. But we look forward. Because there's something greater than a national cemetery of remembrance. There's the faith, there's the hope of one day, Jesus is coming back. I said, Jesus is coming back. The narrative continues in verse 40. having provided some better thing for us do you see that some better thing for us oh my friend it's not all going to be a reward on this earth i'm thankful for all that god gives us but this is not the final chapter Some of you may have had to bury some friends. Some of you have had to maybe bury some loved ones. But I've come to tell you that the grave does not have the final say. There's a God that's greater. There's a spirit that's higher. There's something that's more glorious than the sacrifice of man. He was God robed in flesh that came and died at Calvary and was resurrected again. And Romans 8, 11 says, If the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead is going to quicken your mortal bodies. Something better. There's something better. Because man at his best still needs God. The spirit of man is glorious in battle. It's glorious in commitment and determination. It's glorious in generosity and compassion, but it still falls short. Because this cloud of witnesses needs a glory cloud. This cloud of witnesses needs a glory cloud. You know, when we speak of cloud nowadays in this modern day of 21st century technology and you say the cloud, you know, my children probably don't think of a glory cloud. They think of a data cloud where everything can be stored once your iPhone or iPad or computer or whatever, once it runs out or even if it doesn't run out, it goes to the cloud and the cloud communicates and can send the information down to all of your devices and it's up there somewhere in the cloud. And it keeps all of our pictures.
features and all of our data. But that's not the glory cloud. There is a cloud that keeps all your data, records every one of your thoughts. has all the pictures. Some of you get nervous now, aren't you? It has all of that. Everything that the world comes up with, God's already been there and done that. You say, oh, I like the cloud because, you know, I can get my information from here and there. And I, you know, guess what? There's been a glory cloud that's been around since the Old Testament. And guess what I can tell you about that glory cloud? That glory cloud, you can feel God whether you're at home, whether you're in the church, whether you're on your job, whether you're in your car. All you got to do is say the name of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden you feel the Spirit of God coming down out of the cloud. It's a glory cloud and it fills the house. And I feel it in this place today because God has designed us to obtain that cloud. cloud that led the children of Israel in the wilderness, the cloud that rested over Mount Sinai for six days as Moses communed with God. The glory of God was present as a cloud as Solomon prepares to dedicate the temple unto the Lord in First Kings chapter 8. The priest cannot stand to minister in the temple because of the cloud. The Bible says in verse 11, because the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. But ladies and gentlemen, it did not stop in the Old Testament. Matthew, Mark, and Luke proclaim that Christ will return in the cloud with power and great glory. I told him in the first 830 service, I said, I remember as a teenager being at a general conference and Brother Becton, one of our officials, used to pastor in Nashville, Tennessee, and was a great preacher and he was preaching about heaven and I was just a young man. I think I was maybe in high school or maybe just starting Bible school, but I remember being way up high of this great coliseum where some fifteen to 17,000 people were and as he preached about heaven, there was a haze that started to fill that arena and then the more he preached about heaven, people started looking up because the haze started turning into a cloud and the cloud filled that whole arena because I remember I was sitting up high and I was looking down and, and the cloud as it filled you couldn't even see the floor of the arena and people were falling out speaking in tongues and people were getting healed and, and there was all these miracles and the cloud got thicker and thicker where you couldn't hardly see five feet in front of you and I remember thinking Lord this must be what heaven's gonna be like Come for a word with somebody that the Lord wants to remind you that there's a cloud of God's presence that is upon you and upon your family and upon your home. And it's the glory of the Spirit of God. It's the most valuable thing on this planet. It's the most valuable thing that's available to mankind. There's nothing greater. There's nothing higher. There's no more powerful spirit than the Spirit of God. It is the glory of His Spirit. And this power, this glory, this cloud is the Spirit of God. It is a resurrection spirit. And the world can feel it. People even out in the community can sense it a couple days ago I I called the plumber to try to 
have somebody come out and take a look at a sink. I needed some help. And I was talking to the lady that's the scheduler for the plumber on the phone, and she started talking. And You know how you can just start talking to people and you sort of feel, feel a, a similar spirit? And she was talking, and I was talking, and we were getting lined up for when the plumber could come out to the house, and she said, are you a pastor? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, what church do you pastor? And I said, uh, Eastwind Pentecostal. And she said, is that the big one with the red roof on Emerson? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I knew it. She said, I know that church. I, I visited there a few years ago for a drama. I said, yes, ma'am. That was probably us. We like to do dramas. And she said, pastor, I believe the Lord is getting ready to come back. And I said, yes, man, I agree with you. I believe the Lord is going to come back and it's not going to be too long. She said, all of this stuff that we're facing is just the beginning of the Lord getting us ready. I said, I agree. She was preaching and I was amening. I said, absolutely, I believe that. I can't tell you how many stories we've heard of other people. Somebody was telling me the other day, they heard somebody across the, across the restaurant, somebody heard uh, talking to the, the waiter, and they came over and said, what church do you go to? I felt something while you were talking. The Spirit of God is upon you. Oh, this world is hungry. I said, this world is hungry. She said, Pastor, we have to look up. I said, yes, ma'am, we do. The Bible says to look up, your redemption draweth nigh. She said, we have to get ready. I said, yes, ma'am, we do. We got to get ready. She said, when you're looking for something, it means you're ready for it. I said, that's right, ma'am. When we're looking, we are ready. She said, when you're at the airport, you're looking for the plane. When you're at the bus station, you're looking for the bus. If you're a Christian, you got to be looking for his God. My God, we were having church on the telephone. I said, you've got a revelation. She said, are you guys having church? I said, yes, ma'am, we are. She said, what time are the services? I told her what time. And she said, I'm coming to church. She said, yeah, the Lord's coming back and I got to be ready. Oh, my friend, the glory of the Lord is not only on this earth. It's in the hearts of Christians that have been baptized with the Spirit. It's in the heart of a man or a woman that says, I want to be born again. I want to be filled with the glory of God's spirit. You may be a great person, but the spirit of man can only take you so far. You've got to have the glory of his spirit that can push past death and take you to glory. Woo, hallelujah. How does that happen? Well, the Spirit has to take up residence yes, in you. It did more than 2,000 years ago. Yes, the Old Testament, they had the theophany where the Lord would appear as a man and it would be for a short time and for a short season of just delivering a message or a warning. And then it went on. But after that came God manifest in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And the disciples saw his ministry and saw the dead raised and saw the sick healed and and saw uh, all that took place in the ministry of Jesus. 
And they were attached to him. And he kept trying to tell them, greater works than these shall ye do. They couldn't imagine there being anything greater than the Son of God in their presence. But he kept telling them there's something greater. They didn't know how to process the resurrection. They, some of them didn't always act right. Peter, you know, said, I go a fishing. He went back to his old profession. Other people were all scattered around. They didn't know what to do. They, they had lost the Messiah. But maybe some of them started recounting some of the words of what he had said. And then finally they start to hear reports. Mary said, I've been there to the tomb. He's not there anymore. But there was an angel there as a gardener and said, he's not here. He's risen. Oh, you got to come and see it. Other disciples started running. Could it be all that he told us about? Yes. And so so then they had him for 40 days. But then as they stood on Mount Olivet, once again, the spirit of man had gone down to a lower level. And they watched him ascend and go back into heaven. And once again, all the questions, all the uncertainty. And two men as angels have to appear in white apparel and say, don't you remember what the promise was? There's coming a promise of the comforter. You got to go to Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power from on high. Because the glory of the spirit is not only going to be among you. It's going to be within you. Oh, my friend, there's nothing greater than the outpouring of the Spirit of God. And it's available for you and you and you and whosoever will. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost. Evangelist Dylan Morgan's going to come and tell you. How you can receive that glorious spirit. Why don't you lift your hands all across the house and just magnify him for just a moment. Come on, the spirit of God is here. Let's just praise the Lord for a moment before we do anything. Come on, church, lift your voices and let's worship him for just a few moments. Come on, if you've got that gift, I wish you would exercise it right now for just the next few moments and let the Holy Ghost begin to minister in this place. Come on, don't you want to see that cloud of glory resonate in this church today? Come on, that's it. Stir it up for just a moment. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, the Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Would you just praise him for a moment? Would you lift your voices with a shout of praise for just a moment and magnify him? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, Brother Myers took his text in Matthew 8 and verse number 11, and that concludes with this very statement, in the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven. What does it take to get in the kingdom of heaven? He began to talk about that cloud. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, said that they were baptized in the water and the cloud. The cloud is the representation of the spirit. The water is representation of New Testament baptism. You must be born again. You must be born again. If you start in the very beginning of the book of John, he begins to talk about how the word was made flesh and how it dwelt among us. And the Bible begins to talk about that for us to receive this in John 1, that we must be born of something. But he said, you must not be born of the will of man nor of the will of the flesh, but you must be born of 
the Lord of God. He begins to go further into that in John chapter 3. He begins to talk to us as he's having a conversation with a man by the name of Nicodemus. And he begins to ask him, Rabbi, what do I have to do? What does it take? And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say, except a man be born again, he can enter into that kingdom that he was just talking about. So he said, well, how in the world does somebody get born twice? How is that possible? And Jesus looked at Nicodemus. He said, you're thinking with the mind of flesh, Nicodemus. He said, don't count it crazy that I said this. He said, but you must be born again of water and of spirit. It's the only way we're going to see the kingdom of God. It's the only way we're going to see the kingdom of God. Of God. He said in John chapter 7 and verse number 38, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Somebody asked if you should only have to speak in tongues one time. Well, that rivers there is plural rivers of living water. It's steady flowing. He said, but this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive the Holy Ghost. But this Holy Ghost was not yet given because Christ had not yet been glorified. So Jesus, again, talking in John chapter 14, this with a man by the name of Philip, he looked at him and said, Philip, you need to understand something. I am the way. So now we know that there's only one way, and he was making it possessive, proving that Jesus is the only way. I am the way. Then he said, I am the truth. So the only truth that we need to look to is not truth that is dreamed up by men in conference room, but the truth that is Jesus. How do we receive the resurrection, the life? He said, I am that life. And then they begin to continue on in the conversation. And we'll pick it up in verse number 10 of John 14. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the very work's sake. He said in verse number 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you. He that believeth on me. The works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall ye do. Because I go unto my father. He says, and whatsoever you shall ask of the father in my name. I will do it. The Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse number 16. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So there's something else coming, Jesus. There's another level to this, Jesus. Yes. Verse number 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because watch it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But watch this next phrase. Now remember, Jesus is conversing with Philip. So when he says ye, he's talking to Philip. So let's insert Philip's name. But Philip, you know him. 
What do you mean I know this thing that's about to come? Because in Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He said, for he dwelleth with you. Who? Jesus, the God manifest in the flesh. And watch, and shall be in you. He says, I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you. He said, yet a little while the world seeth me no more. But ye see me because I live. Ye shall live also. That resurrection life. And at that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father. And ye in me. And I in you. Jesus goes into the grave. He resurrects. And then we pick it up in Acts chapter 1. And he begins to talk about, there's a promise that's for you. He said, but you've got to go wait in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there's a power that's going to fall down. And you're going to receive this power. It's called the gift of the Holy Ghost. And after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you're going to receive power. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They had been in that upper room. They had been praying. They had been tearing, waiting for this thing that was going to come. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, Lord, I pray that before this service is over, that we would have an interruption of the spirit that would fill every person that's in here with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And suddenly there came a sound. And it filled all of them. And they begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And this began to be noised abroad. And they begin to hear this out in Jerusalem, out in the street. And they begin to hear these things taking place. And they begin to want to know, what do we do? What's going on? And Peter stood and began to preach about all of the prophetic moments that are taking place right here. And this is what he said in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. If you're here today, that word pricked means to be unsettled. It means to realize you're missing something. And if you don't have what Peter preached about and what Jesus taught about, you're missing that resurrection power. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But watch, it didn't stop there. That promise wasn't just for them. It was for your children and to all, all that are afar off. I'm thankful today to know that I'm a part of the New Testament church. I have the fullness of the Godhead inside of me. Finally, that word baptism there comes from the word baptizo. It means to be fully immersed. It means to be submersed underwater. It means to be put all the way under. Anytime you see in the New Testament the word baptize or baptism, it comes from that word. That means that sprinkling does not save you. You made a great first step of faith and understanding that you must be baptized. But the only way that scripture teaches us in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19 is this. Immersion. 
So if you're here today and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus by immersion, it is the only way to be baptized. It's in his name and under the water. I don't bury a dead man almost all the way. I make sure he's covered. So when I go under, I want to make sure that my old life, those old sins, that old flesh, that man that was gross and didn't have any hope in this world. But when I come up out of the water, I was resurrected by the power of the Holy Ghost. So if you're here today and you want to take part in the glory of the Spirit... You've never received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue. It's the greatest thing in the world. If you've never been baptized in the only saving name of Jesus, we have robes for you. You can leave dry and in your pretty church clothes. We've made it as convenient as convenient can be. I'm pretty sure it's even a little heated. It's ready for you to have those sins washed away that old man washed away those old things that used to have you bound when you go under you'll come out a free man amen so before we come to the front i want everybody that's here to lift your hands and we're all going to repent together we're all going to ask god to wash us together We're going to ask God to forgive us of our sins. If you know how to pray that prayer of forgiveness, begin to start that now. If you don't know how to pray it, just repeat after me. Lord, forgive me of my sins, Lord. Forgive me of anything that's in my life that would stand in the way of me receiving that spirit. You said it's like a river, Lord. I don't want anything in my heart that would stop the free flowing of the spirit, God. Forgive me of anything that I've said, anything that I've done, Lord. Let that blood that you shed for me on Calvary's cross begin to wash me and cleanse me and make me whole again. Forgive me of anything that's standing in my life. Forgive me of anything that I've done. Forgive me of any actions that were against the kingdom, Lord. Lord, things that I didn't even know that I did that were a sin unto you. Forgive me, Jesus. Wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me, Jesus. In Jesus' name. The Lord's about to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. That power, that come on after you receive the Holy Ghost. Men of God are about to lay their hands on you. And when they do, you're going to be healed in Jesus' name. So right where you're at, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue, we invite you to come to this altar right now. And if you're not comfortable with coming to the altar, you can just raise your hand right where you're at. And we'll come to where you are. But I challenge every person that's in this place. If you don't have his spirit, do not leave this place without receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue. And secondly, if you have never been baptized in the name of Jesus, the only saving name, before you leave here, I urge you. East Wind logo on their jacket. Come and talk to one of the ministers that are up here on the platform. We will baptize you in the name of Jesus today. And lastly, if you are here and you need a miracle in your body, whether you're sick, 
Rather, it's an emotional need. He said that he took the crown of thorns. He put that on his mind. He will, he will renew your mind is what the Bible says. If you're here today and you need an emotional healing, a physical healing, a spiritual healing, whatever it may be, we know that the Holy Ghost has the power. I feel faith rising in this place. Somebody's about to get healed. Somebody's about to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Somebody get an unction of the Holy Ghost right now and do whatever you feel the Holy Ghost prompting you to do. If you want the gift of the Holy Ghost, come forward. Lift your hands. If you need a miracle in your body, come forward. We're going to lay hands on you. If you want to be baptized in Jesus' name, I want you to come forward right now. Come on. These altars are open. We're wanting you to come. If you're not comfortable with coming, just lift your hands right where you're at and we're going to come to you. We're going to speak the word of faith. Come on. That's it. People are coming forward. That's it in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We're going to wait for people to make their way forward and we're going to speak the word of faith. Come on, that's it. We can spread out. We can spread out. We'll practice distancing in the altar. Amen. My Lord, by the authority of the name of Jesus. I'll tell you, the gift of faith is moving in this place right now. There is faith in this place today. I want every hand lifted right now. And when I speak the word of faith, when you hear in Jesus' name, I want you to begin to praise the Lord. The highest word of praise is hallelujah. But if you just want to say, I love you, Jesus, we're okay with that too. But we want you to begin to praise the Lord when you hear this in Jesus' name. I want you to begin to praise him. By the authority of the word of God. And by the power of the name of Jesus, I pray that the gift of faith would be unleashed and that people would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue and that people would be healed from infirmities and diseases and sicknesses in Jesus' name. Come on, would you praise them with me? Would you lift your voice and praise? 